Welcome to A Conspiracy in the Force, the show where we examine parallel conspiracies in a galaxy far, far away, in a galaxy not so far away. The show is designed as an introduction to modern-day conspiracy theories by using Star Wars, one of the most beloved fictional universes, as a point of reference. Let's begin. Hey, Conspiracy Kyle here. Before we get started on today's episode, I have a big, big announcement to make. My audiobook for Intergalactic Totalitarianism is now finally available. This will be available on iTunes, Amazon, and Audible, so I'll put links in the show notes. Now, just for my podcast listeners, if you're interested and would like a free copy of this, I have received several promo codes for a free download on the Audible app that I'd like to distribute. So if you would like a free copy, I'll let you know how you can get one, and it's very, very, very simple. What I need you to do is go to whatever podcast feed you use to listen to Conspiracy in the Force and leave me a five-star review for the podcast. After you leave your review, please email me a screenshot of it. My email address is conspiracyintheforce at gmail.com. I'll put that in the show notes as well. So leave a five-star review, email me a note saying you did it with a screenshot of your review. Um, I do have 20 promo codes in total that I'm going to be able to distribute. So I'll let this promotion run through next Sunday at midnight when the new, when my next episode drops, uh, the Monday episodes. So get in now to claim your free copy. If you've already left a review, please email me a screenshot of that review as well at conspiracyintheforce at gmail.com and I'll get you your promo code too. Now, once you get your promo code to listen to the audiobook, I would ask, please, 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 that you leave a favorable review for it on Audible as well. That is if you think it's deserving, because that's really what will help the, the audiobook grow and get more, get more noticeability. So, once again, I have 20 promo codes to distribute. All I need you to do is go and leave a five-star review for Conspiracy in the Forest podcast. Email me a screenshot of it to conspiracyintheforest at gmail.com, and I'll get you your promo code and how to get it on Audible. I hope you enjoy the audiobook. It clocks in in almost four hours, so it's about 15, or 15 to 16 times as long as these normal Monday shows go. And it is done in the same format um, as these episodes here with narration and background music. So I'll post a link in the show notes, like I said, if you want to hear a preview of it or you want to purchase it or you want to find out more about it. So thanks, and now let's get on to today's episode. It's episode. It's episode. Today's episode is titled, Secret Societies in Star Wars, Part 1. This will be a three-part series, as there's a lot to cover, and I've done a lot of fascinating research on this topic at hand. Those of us who are in the conspiracy spectrum are fascinated with the power structures that really run our world, who's involved, what are their goals, and what they actually believe in. You know, some of these discussions can be very complex, 
like the one I just had with Odd Man Out about Freemasonry last Friday. This society, which I guess for all intents and purposes isn't a secret, is a multi-layered, multifaceted organization where the people at the bottom don't always know what the people at the top have as their main goals and objectives. And also the people at the bottom may not even be into all the symbology, occult themes, and esoteric messaging that those at the top are really into. However, all levels seem to have inherent secrecy that makes the inner workings of it difficult to understand for the untrained eye on purpose. On the other hand, you have loosely named groups like the Illuminati or the Cabal, where the members all seem to be in lockstep with the same goals and objectives. They believe in Luciferian ideology and the inversion of our world into all that is truly good in the eyes of God is being wrong and all that is wrong in the eyes of God is being good. They all seem to use the same symbolism such as the all-seeing eye, the pyramid, and so on and so forth. Now, one Star Wars related question I get asked all the time is about secret societies in Star Wars. You know, we know about our galaxy and the groups that we believe run things, but what about in a galaxy far, far away? Are there any similar groups? And if so, what are they and who is involved? Well, this question has some surface level answers, so let's get to that first. And then there's also a lot of really deep cuts into Star Wars lore in both the Disney era and the prior Expanded Universe era. Let's tackle the low-hanging fruit first. On the most basic level, both the Jedi and the Sith are pretty much secret societies. Both are somewhat small sects with a limited number of members, for the Sith even more so than the Jedi. And they both use their knowledge of the Force to their advantage, albeit from opposite spectrums. From the Phantom Menace novelization, here's a brief breakdown of the genesis of the Sith. Quote, The Sith had come into being almost 2,000 years ago. They were a cult given over to the dark side of the Force, embracing fully the concept that power denied was power wasted. A rogue Jedi Knight had founded the Sith, a singular dissident in an order of harmonious followers, a rebel who understood from the beginning that the real power of the Force lay not in the light, but in the dark. Failing to gain approval for his beliefs from the Jedi Council, he had broken with the order, departing with his knowledge and his skills, swearing in secret that he could bring down those who had dismissed him. He was alone at first, but others from the Jedi Order, who believed as he did, and who had followed him in his study of the dark side, soon came over. Others were recruited, and soon the ranks of the Sith swelled to more than fifty in number. Disdaining the concepts of cooperation and consensus, relying on the belief that acquisition of power in any form lends strength and yields control, the Sith began to build their cult in opposition to the Jedi. Theirs was not an order created to serve. Theirs was an order created to dominate. End quote. Palpatine, when he took over control of the galaxy using his dark side alter ego Sidious, when you think about that, you could pretty much call him a one-man Illuminati, as he alone manipulated the galaxy from the shadows into this new paradigm. While technically on the light side, the Jedi also did have a certain level of secrecy about them and their operations. Palpatine called out the Jedi's mysterious machinations in the Revenge of the Sith novelization when he said to Anakin, quote, The Jedi Council, however, is another matter entirely, a secret society of anti-democratic beings who wield tremendous power, individually as well as collectively. How am I able to trace the labyrinth of their plots? End quote. So the Jedi and the Sith are pretty explicitly spelled out in the film, so I don't think we need to get into much more detail on them here. 
However, throughout Star Wars lore and throughout Star Wars history, there are numerous other examples of secret societies that we should discuss. Many of these I wasn't even aware of until I started researching for this episode. On, on this episode, we're going to just tackle three of these secret societies. The first we'll tackle is the Architects of Vale, the second will be the Order of the Sacred Circle, and the third is simply named Dark Force. So let's talk about the Architects of Vale. This group was mentioned in the Dr. Aphra comic series, a series which I'm only vaguely familiar with, but in any case, the Architects of Vale were an ancient society of builders that had been gone for many years before the rise of the Empire. The builder aspect definitely draws a parallel to Freemasonry, as the roots of that organization started in the stone and brick building trades. Not much is known about the society, but what is known is that they created two powerful rings that would bestow tremendous powers on their holders. The Lord of the Rings parallel comes to mind here, obviously. One of these rings gave eternal life, and one of these rings gave immeasurable wealth, but a shortened life. Now, obviously, someone who possessed both of these would be nearly invincible. Another parallel here would be the Harry Potter series and the Deathly Hallows items, which consisted of a magic wand, an invisibility cloak, and a resurrection stone. Same situation, you'd be nearly invincible. Now, the Architects of Vale created a barrier around the city where these rings were to be held. And this barrier was made out of human bone for some reason. And it was said that many who went there searching for the rings ended up going mad because this bone barrier somehow affected their brains. Now, let's talk about the second group, the Order of the Sacred Circle. With this group, you also see ring symbolization as well. On the planet they inhabited, they were rings of debris that orbited constantly outside of the planet's atmosphere. These rings were meant to represent eternal life or the cycle of life. Think of the repeat or the loop symbol with that figure eight, as there is no beginning and no end to it. This order did not align itself with any political ideology. Although during the prequel era, in the Separatist crisis, they did allow for war refugees to settle in their land. But these refugees were required to convert to their spiritual beliefs upon arrival. Rival, rival, rival. Now the third and final group that we're going to discuss on this episode is simply named Dark Force. This group you may consider more of a cult than a secret society, but I'm of the opinion that there's really not much of a difference there. This Sith offshoot cult was helmed by a Dark Lord by the name of and please don't laugh when you hear this. Darth Millennial. Yes, you heard that correctly. Darth Millennial. I'm not making this up. With a name like that, he probably did his dark side trainings remotely and loved hashtags and viral TikTok videos about cats. But I digress. Darth Millennial. I'm going to have a hard time saying that. Darth Millennial was a mutant who had three eyes. His third eye was directly in the middle of his forehead akin to the all-seeing eye of providence. Those who possessed this third eye in the Star Wars universe were considered highly coveted by the Sith because this third eye symbolized strength and being able to foresee the future. As a dark side apprentice, he fell out of good graces with his dark side master and started his own cult, simply called Dark Force. He no longer believed in the Sith rule of two, which was created by Darth Bane many years before. This rule of two stated that there should be only two Sith operating at one time, a master and an apprentice. 
millennial believe that there should be many more Sith than just two, and that the strongest amongst them should vie for control of the Sith and rule over the others. Now, Millennial was definitely more of a cult leader than other Sith in the past, as he proclaimed himself a prophet of the Force, who interceded between the Force and his followers. He gained complete control over the minds of those who chose to join the Dark Force, and he threatened them with death if they were to turn away from his ideals. Even those who simply called into question his ideology were put to death, which sounds an awful lot like what happens to those opposed to the mainstream narratives in our current world albeit metaphorically put to death by being cancelled. Now this dark side cult took place many years before the rise of the Empire, but even after Millennial's death, the cult did keep going on in perpetuity and was even visited by Palpatine prior to his rise to the Emperor. He chose to use these cultists to his advantage for many years, but eventually he decided that these zealots were no longer useful and he and his associates had them wiped out. Now that does it for this episode, but in conclusion, it is interesting how many secret societies there are in Star Wars, but really it shouldn't be that surprising because it's no different here on Earth. While many occult practitioners and politicians have similar viewpoints on how the world should be run, they don't all align in the exact same social circles or cults. They could be in the Freemasons, the OTO, the Golden Dawn, or other groups. The main takeaway here is that all these groups rely on the power of self, and or anti-god principles and ideologies. Now in Star Wars we know that the Sith were all about themselves and were all about attaining power at all costs, but really were the Jedi secret society that much better? They were religious zealots and were prone to being full of themselves and their own powers instead of the greater good, which is purely emphasized in the prequels when they allowed themselves to be manipulated and deceived by Sidious. Much like the Catholic Church or the Israelite leaders in the New Testament times of Jesus, the Jedi held tightly onto their society's rituals instead of achieving a larger understanding of what was really going on. Now on the next installment in the series of Star Wars Secret Societies, we'll cover other lesser-known orders such as the Kohun, the Krath, the Morgukai, and finally the Hindsnake Cult, which had some interesting interactions with Darth Vader. I bet you can wonder how that worked out for them. Thanks for listening. If you enjoy this content, please share it around. It greatly helps the show, which has been growing exponentially year over year, so thank you all so very much. May the Force be with you. God bless. And I'll talk to you again soon.